Hannah Staver, and this is Ohio Politics Explained, a podcast where you give us 15 minutes and we give you all the news you need to sound smart and impress your friends when you go out this weekend. Happy Friday, everyone. It's been quite a week in Ohio politics, and to break it all down with me today is the lovely Laura Bischoff. Laura's been covering the Capitol here in Ohio for about 20 years, which means she's actually followed Larry Householder through not one, but two public corruption scandals. Welcome to the show, Laura. Hey, this is going to be fun. Yeah. Our very first topic is vaccine mandates. And, you know, we know Republicans control the Ohio House, the Senate, and all the statewide offices. So you think they could pass whatever they wanted, but you'd be wrong. That's right. Our colleague uh, Titus Wu has been following this on again, off again, on again story. Um, And they've had a couple of different bills to um, limit mandated vaccines, both COVID and non-COVID vaccines. And the first one, House Bill 248, that garnered a lot of uh, national attention and it seemed to have gone too far. So then they attempted to do a a, uh, more nuanced compromise. But I got to tell you, the business community and the healthcare community hate it all. Um, It takes away their power or would take away their power to tell employees what to do. And it really takes... um, takes uh, the power away from healthcare organizations to protect the vulnerable. And healthcare companies like hospitals and chamber of commerce, these are big Republican donors. And when they're not happy, like ain't nobody happy. So you, you hear a real divide in the Republican caucus, right? Like they're kind of, there was a poll done by Gongwer, another news service, and the Republicans are kind of split down the middle on this. Like half of them support limiting what private business can do and the other half absolutely do not. Yeah, I think it's really interesting that the business community has a little less sway over the Republican Party than it used to. Um, now there's a big emphasis on um, individual rights. And, you know, I don't think this anti-vaccine mandate movement is um, is losing power. I think it's actually gaining steam. Um, it it kind of shifted um, into more of a medical freedom um, message, and it has really found some support among conservative lawmakers. Yeah, but... I don't think it has enough to get over the hurdle of actually becoming law just yet. I don't think they're going to get what they want this round. Correct. However, I would say that they are very dedicated to their message and um, it doesn't seem like they're giving up. Okay. Next topic is the Ohio State Board of Education. Yes, Anna, you spent a lovely eight plus hours listening to the um, to the debate. Um, and let's just say thank you, Anna, because she did it. So you, dear listeners, do not have to. <laughs> All right. In less than eight hours, how would you recap the hubbub and the outcome? So a year ago, they passed this resolution. It was a few weeks after the murder of George Floyd by the Minnesota police officer. And they passed this anti-racist resolution. It sort of condemned racism and white supremacy in all its forms and said, Ohio schools need to do better um, because children of color, specifically black males, um, are less likely to graduate than their white peers, less likely to take advanced placement classes. They're more likely to be flagged for disciplinary actions. And they really wanted schools to sort of examine why that is and basically do better. However, 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 um, there is a growing group of conservatives who say this was actually coded language to start teaching critical race theory in our schools. And that's um, they think this goes against the founding of America, that it like divides children based on color, that it teaches that you're either an oppressor or the oppressed. And they really wanted to get rid of it. And so they finally found a resolution that would 
be more of a, they call it more of a middle ground, but for people who really believe in diversity, equity, and inclusion, they called it a step backwards. And so this new resolution, Resolution 13, um, basically took all the teeth out of Resolution 20. There are no recommendations. They do acknowledge the disparity in outcomes for children of color, but it doesn't tell schools to like do anything about it. It's just like, well, this exists, but you shouldn't teach anything that would, what is it, the exact words they use, construe like collective guilt. Why did the debate drag on so long? People have strong feelings. <laughs> um, we've seen this at like school board meetings across the country. There are like a lot of very angry parents on both sides of the issue. And I think that's just a reflection of what you got at the board. You got a lot of public commentary that was really passionate. You had a lot of strong feelings from the board members. Um, you know, a couple months ago, Meryl Johnson, the board member from Cleveland, talked about like how difficult it was for her as a person of color to to listen to commenter after commenter basically say that racism doesn't exist in this country. And she actually broke down and she cried. You know, I do think it's really interesting that this critical race theory um, has been popping up in Republican campaign um, campaign forums and and on the on the campaign trail, it seems like it's um, it's the it's an issue that uh, people are very divided over. Oh yeah, for sure, it's definitely become like the um, the cultural the culture war issue of twenty twenty one. Exactly. So we're going to move on to a more serious topic now, which is spousal rape. Ohio is one of a handful of states that actually has spousal exemptions to their crimes like rape and sexual assault. And so basically it's only considered a criminal act when there's a threat of force or the couple no longer lives together. Yeah, that's right. So our colleague uh, Haley B. Miller took a look at this. Um, this is a, this is an issue that has been brought up in the legislature for the last, yeah, I want to say five to six years. I think um, there was a similar proposal introduced in 2015. And basically, it would try to close that. It's a small loophole. I mean, um, you know, rape is illegal, but they're saying that there's a quirky little um, exemption and that it's really, you know, victims of this are kind of bewildered as to why this is still allowed or still permitted under under uh, state law. Yeah. And that's one of the things that Haley ran into in her reporting is the Democratic women who continue to sponsor this legislation keep wondering why this bill never advances past committee hearing. So this time, uh, Kristen Boggs, who's a, a Democrat, and Laura Lanise is a Republican. They're both from Franklin County. They introduced legislation earlier this year that would eliminate those exemptions. And lawmakers have held two hearings so far uh, in the spring, but it hasn't advanced yet. Um, it's my understanding the Ohio Prosecuting Attorneys Association, though, is is backing the bill this time. So it might. Oh, that's different. It might actually have a have a little more steam. Finally, um, let's talk about pot. Yes. <laughs> We're going to end on a high note, literally. Um, no. Uh, so for the first time, actually, I think, too, there is a group of House Republicans that are sponsoring a bill to legalize recreational use of marijuana. That's right. And actually, you can follow our bureau chief, Jackie Borchard, who is our marijuana expert. Follow her for all your Ohio weed needs or weed news, rather. <laughs> uh, this is a proposal from uh, Republicans Jamie Callender and Ron Ferguson. And um, it would kind of build on the medical marijuana program that's already been in place and would allow current medical marijuana cultivators, processors, dispensary owners to operate on the re recreational side as well. 
And uh, what I think is interesting is that it would allow adults 21 and up to possess up to five ounces of marijuana and grow a small number of plants. Um, I think Calendar is proposing six plants, including two in the flowering stage, as the um, initial starter there. And the bill also would provide a way for Ohioans convicted of marijuana crimes eliminated under the bill to have their records sealed or expunged. And that I know is something that's a that, big deal. That's something that a lot of criminal justice reform uh, folks would really like to see happen. But I don't know that this bill is going to happen because um, the Senate president, Matt Huffman, has been strongly opposed to marijuana legalization. Bob Cup, the House Speaker, isn't into it. And I don't even think the governor's really like down with legalized marijuana. And that's a problem because those are the big three. And if the Speaker or the Senate president don't want a bill to come up for a vote, they just don't bring it up for a vote. <laughs> yeah, I am not going to fight you on that one. I agree with you. It is a it's an uphill battle. Yeah, but, um, I, you know, in the background, there's a lot of groups that are thinking they're going to put it on the ballot in 2022. So the legislature's hand might actually get forced. I think that's how medical marijuana happened. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's interesting because it was on the ballot. Um, I can't remember the year, but it was it, it failed miserably. But I think it, it uh, woke up some lawmakers to think, you know, we would like to control the um, the parameters of, of this program. And let's go ahead and, and approve a medical marijuana uh, program with um, very strict controls on it um, so that we don't get something that is crafted by the industry or by uh, forces that we can't really control. Yeah. And not to pick too much of a bone with calendar, but I used to live out in Oregon and Colorado, and I have literally written stories about marijuana sales taxes. So like one of his pitches is like, you know, this would bring in a bunch of money for the state. And wouldn't that be great? And just for so you know, like if you're going to vote to legalize marijuana, you should to, you should do it because you think it should be recreational and not because you think it's going to bring in a ton of cash. Colorado makes like three hundred and fifty million dollars a year in marijuana taxes. And that that's life changing money for like anybody in this room. Like that would change my life. But in terms of a state budget, that's not a ton of cash. Like for context, like Ohio spends ten billion dollars a year on public schools. So like 350 million would be serious money, but it wouldn't be like life changing. Like we're not going to be able to get rid of like income taxes because we legalize pot. Right. And I do think that this um, this marijuana proposal, it will flourish if the statewide ballot issue looks like it's going to make make the ballot. There's a there are uh, circulators, petition circulators in the field right now collecting signatures to try and put uh, the matter on the ballot. Yeah. And one last thing before you go, if you're still holding on to that COVID weight, Jay Honinger has got a bill for you. The Republican senator wants to eliminate sales tax on certain gym memberships. It's a common practice in other states. The idea is that like we should incentivize people to be healthy. But before you run out and buy like an Orange Theory membership, you should know that it's only for nonprofit gyms. So think YMCA. And the idea is they could lower their rates and make fitness more affordable. I'm all for that. Me too. Ohio Politics Explained is brought to you by the USA Today Network Ohio Bureau. You can find us on Twitter at Ohio Explained. And if you want to learn more about any of the topics we covered today, check us out online at any of the newspapers in our network, like dispatch.com. <laughs>